You're listening to In My Father's House with our pastor and teacher, Mike Venezia, Senior Pastor of Harvest Christian Fellowship in New York City, New York. In my Father's house, there's a place for me. In my Father's house, where I long to be, oh, my heart will not be troubled. I remember what you said. We should take it to the Lord in prayer. Usually it's our last resort, even for the best of Christians. We finagle, we plan, we scheme, we connive, right? We try to get people to jump on our bandwagon to see things the way that we see them, manipulating people, rather than just simply praying and then leaving it with God. That's the first thing that we should have done, the first resort, rather than the last resort. Life is made better by the people in our lives. True? Can the opposite also be a reality? That people just like us are broken sinners trying to get by day by day. When we encounter difficulties in our relationships with others, what is our first response? To get angry? What about pray for the situation? Today in his message, Pastor Mike reminds us that our first response to any relationship problem is to bring it before the Lord. He cares for all of our issues with others, and He can fix it all. Now here's Pastor Mike in the book of Genesis chapter 33 as he begins his message, Healing for Broken Relationships. title is Healing for Broken Relationships. And although, as we move through this study this morning, as I give you certain examples, many of those examples have to do with the marriage relationship. But of course, all of the principles that I'm going to be sharing with you this morning serve as principles that will help you to restore any kind of a relationship that has been broken, whether it's between you and a spouse, or you and a sibling, or you and an employer, or you and your best friend, or someone that you grew up with, or whatever, the situation, whatever the circumstance. And so please keep that in mind. Although, again, many of the examples that I'm going to be sharing with you this morning has to do with the marriage relationship. So let's begin in Genesis chapter 33, verses 1 through 4. Now Jacob lifted his eyes and looked, and there Esau, that is Esau his brother, was coming. And with them were 400 men. And let me also add, there were 400 armed men. And so he divided the children among Leah, Rachel, and the two maidservants. So he's broken them up now into three different companies. And he put the maidservants and their children in front. I guess they were the least respected as far as Jacob was concerned. You know, let's put their servants and their kids up front. So anyway, and that's what he did. And their children in front. Leah and her children behind, and then Rachel and Joseph last. And then he crossed over before them, 
and bowed himself to the ground seven times until he came near to his brother Esau. But Esau ran to meet him and embraced him and fell on his neck and kissed him and they wept. Now, basically and obviously, what we have before us here is the story of how bitter enemies were transformed into loving brothers, right? We know all of the events leading up to what's recorded for us here in chapter 33. I'll I'll rehearse some of them for those of you who are just joining us for the first time or if you haven't been around for the last couple of weeks. But these brothers, that is Jacob and Esau, had not seen each other for 20 years. And remember, Jacob had deceived his father Isaac through trickery, and he received the patriarchal blessing, which was actually Esau's right. Because remember, Esau was the older brother, and that meant that the patriarchal blessing was to be pronounced upon the older brother. And you know all of the details of how he went about doing that. And so when it came to his brother Esau's attention of what Jacob had done, ripping him off of the patriarchal blessing, which involved prestige and honor, making his brother Esau so angry because of that, after he had become aware of what he had done, he swore a vow. Remember in chapter 27, and it's recorded for us in verse 4, if you want to take a look at that, but basically there, what we have is the vow that Esau swore that as soon as his father Isaac had died, remember he gave the patriarchal blessing on his deathbed, or what he thought was, was his deathbed, And he said, as soon as my father Isaac dies, this is the oath that Esau swore, I'm going to kill my brother Jacob. And yet, we find this hatred that had been simmering in Esau's heart for 20 years has now suddenly been changed. You see, he came out to meet his brother with the 400 armed men with swords, and he ends up greeting him with a kiss. Notice in verse 4, what are we told there? Go back to verse 4. And Esau ran to meet him, embraced him, and fell on his neck and kissed him, and they both wept. So, is it possible to have close relationships, meaningful relationships, go sour, love turned to hatred between, let's say, for example, a parent, or a spouse, or a sibling, as I've already mentioned, or a a best friend, uh, for whatever reason. Maybe it's envy. Maybe it's greed. Maybe it's a sibling rivalry. Maybe it's a betrayal of one of the parties or some kind of a disappointment, right? Is it possible to have close relationships, meaningful relationships, go sour, love turned to hatred, and yes, as you know, it, it is, How many times, out of my own experience, how many times in marriage counseling have I heard the words expressed, you know, Pastor Mike, as both parties are across my desk, they've set up an appointment for counseling, and one of the spouses say, Pastor Mike, I just don't love them anymore. I don't feel anything for him or for her, and obviously they're both dead inside. How did it happen? At one time, there was so 
madly in love with one another. And what is it that causes two people who were once so fond of each other, who were once so with one another, to become so distant from each other? Well, there are many reasons, and I've just expressed some of them for you. But what we're interested in today is the restoration of relationships. And that's what this message is all about this morning. So here's the question. Is it possible to restore a relationship where love has been replaced with abhorrence? And let me also throw this into the mix. Probably more than any other relationship we should be focused in on is our relationship with God through Christ. Maybe there's someone here this morning, and listen, this is just between you and the Lord, but God has brought you into this place maybe for some kind of a restoration work in your heart, in your life, as it relates to your relationship with God. And only you can answer that question. And so the principles that I'm about to share with you this morning would also apply in that respect as well. Is it possible to restore a relationship where love has been replaced with abhorrence? Can love be reborn? Is it possible for two people to come back into a loving, caring relationship they once experienced? Well, the story before us, that is Jacob and Esau, the story before us today is a testimony of a restored relationship. Notice in verse 4, go back to that verse which was a part of our text. They're embracing, they're kissing, they're falling all over each other. So, is it possible to restore that broken relationship? To feel for them again? Well, according to the scripture, yes, it is. And so this morning, let us follow the steps of restoration that are laid out for us here in this portion of Scripture. And we want to begin by going back to chapter 32 in verse 6. When Jacob received word from his servants, who he had sent out to meet Esau, he's traveling now back to his homeland, where Esau lived, continued to live for the last 20 years, Remember the broken relationship with his uncle Laban. Remember they set up the piles of rocks, one on top of another, which sort of became a marker of a testimony that neither party could, uh, and then they covenanted together that neither party could cross over that pile of rocks without being in danger of being attacked by the other. If uncle Laban crossed over, then Jacob's people could attack Laban and if Jacob crossed over onto Laban's side of the rocks, it was sort of a line of demarcation, then Uncle Laban could respond and attack Jacob and his people as well. And so he couldn't go back, right? But now he's returning back to it where it all began. He's returning back to his father's house where Esau is. And notice here, again, according to our text, when Jacob received word from his servants, who he had sent out to meet Esau, he realized that the bitterness, the hatred, was still alive, and Esau got news of the fact that he's coming, but he's not going to wait until he actually arrives at that destination. He's going to meet him with 400 men. Okay, so what did he do, and what step did he take to begin the processes of restoration 
for that relationship? Well, the first thing, the first thing that Jacob did in the restoring of the relationship was he prayed. Now go back to the preceding chapter in chapter 32. He prayed unto God. When news had come back to him that his brother's coming, 400 men, they're armed, I'm dead, I'm history, lights out, right? The first thing that he did, and which, you know, should always be our first resort, by the way, we should pray. Have you ever been in that situation before? Maybe you've been misunderstood at work and you're a little anxious about going back to work the next day because you think you blew it royally, you fouled up, you think you're going to get the pink slip, your boss is going to just chew you out, and you're thinking about that, you're having a restless night's sleep, and you're, you know, even in advance, entertaining what might happen the next day when you go back to work, and uh, only to find that God has preceded you, gone before you, and the things that you were anticipating really didn't happen anyway, what steps should we take as our first resort, right? Rather than allowing ourselves to be gripped with fear, we should take it to the Lord in prayer. Usually it's our last resort, even for the best of Christians. We finagle, we plan, we scheme, we connive, right? We try to get people to jump on our bandwagon to see things the way that we see them, manipulating people, rather than just simply praying and then leaving it with God. That's the first thing that we should have done, the first resort, rather than the last resort. And so the first step that Jacob took in the restoration of this relationship, this broken relationship that he had with his brother Esau, was he prayed. Okay, let's take a look at that prayer quickly. Chapter 32, beginning in verse 9. Then Jacob said, O God of my father Abraham, and God of my father Isaac, the Lord who said to me, Return to your country and to your family, and I will deal well with you. I am not worthy of the least of all the mercies and of all the truth which you have shown your servant. For I crossed over this Jordan with my staff, and now I have become two companies. Deliver me, I pray, from the hand of my brother, from the hand of Esau. For I fear him, lest he come and attack me and the mother with the children. For you said, notice he's reminding God what God had told him here, I will surely treat you well and make your descendants as the sand of the sea, which cannot be numbered for multitude. Okay, so this is where we need to begin. If that's your experience, whatever your situation, circumstance, whoever it is that you had experienced a broken relationship with, we need to pray. What should we be praying for? Pray for them. Pray for their good. Pray for their welfare. Because listen, I mean, you know, I don't have to tell you this, prayer changes things. But, you know, usually when I make that statement, I always add, not only does it change things, our circumstances, and other people, but more times than not, guess what? It changes me. And you know what? That actually might be the cause of the broken relationship in the first place. Me. Have you ever considered that? You know, we're always putting the blame on the other person. Hey, listen, it takes two people to have a broken relationship. It takes two people to have a great relationship. It takes two people as well to have a broken relationship. So I found that when I take my situation concerning another person, 
and I bring it to the Lord in prayer, so many times as I pray, the thing that changes is me. We pray, oh God, change them. And then right in the middle of that prayer, he shows me where I need to change. It's through prayer where God speaks to me. Does God speak to you or is it all about you? Is it like ordering fast food? You know, you pick up your cell phone and you dial whoever the pizza guy and and, uh, you place your order and then you just, you know, thank you and that's it. And then you click off your phone. You know, I think many people perceive prayer in that way. Hey, listen, prayer is a conversation. It's a two-way street. Okay, so lay your petitions before the Lord. We're encouraged to do that, but at least take some time for God to respond to what you're asking him to do. And he will. You can be sure of that, right? But, you know, most of us are like fast food prayer warriors or something. And we're just placing an order. And then we click it off, and that's it. We run out of our prayer closet. without, get, And God is standing there like with his mouth open, and he hasn't had even an opportunity to respond. And say, no, it's, the problem isn't with the guy. It's with you. The problem is with you. And so it is through prayer where God speaks to me and shows me where I've been wrong, those areas that I need to adjust and need to correct. Maybe the problem is I'm not very sensitive. I'm not very understanding. I'm not very unforgiving. Have I hit a a nerve with anybody this morning? There's a little bit of me in all of those examples that I just shared with you. Because that's very much a part of man's human nature, right? It's not the regenerated nature of being born again, but this is something that we're still working on. And so what's interesting here is as Jacob prayed for the situation and for his brother Esau, the changes first came about in Jacob, which resulted then in the change of Esau. Do I have to say that again? Okay, let me say it again. The changes first came about in Jacob, which resulted in the change of his brother Esau. And you too might discover that God will change you in order to change the relationship and the attitude of the other person toward you. Now, let's talk about the fruit of this. The first indication of change in Jacob's life was the blessing of his brother. I mean, you know who Jacob was. Jacob was the heel catcher. Jacob was the supplanter. Jacob was the used car salesman kind of a type. He was the guy that you would never want to into any kind of an agreement with because he would take advantage of you if he had the opportunity to do so. I mean, his nature was to take and not to give. But notice after the prayer that he prayed that is recorded for us in the preceding chapter, he begins to separate a large number of his herds. Go back to chapter 32. Notice in verses 14 and 15. It says there are 200 female goats and 20 male goats, 200 ewes and 20 rams, 30 milk camels with their colts, 40 cows and 10 bulls, 20 female donkeys and 10... So what's this all about? Well, these were presents that he was going to send before him, right? To sort of like wear down his brother Esau, right? So after the prayer, he began to separate a large number of his herds. He sent them ahead with his servants as presents for his brother Esau. 
So basically, what he's doing is he's seeking an opportunity to bless his brother with these gifts. And so you, too. If you have experienced a broken relationship after prayer, seek then to bless that person in some way. Seek an opportunity to do that. Now, if I could use a marriage example of this. Let's say, for example, but again, these principles apply to any kind of a relationship, particularly a broken relationship. Let's say you just had an argument or a disagreement with your wife. Of course, none of us ever have disagreements with our wives. I mean, we're, we're perfect Christians, right? Just don't talk to our wives, I guess. And uh, so, and it's gone unresolved. Okay, so you leave the house. When you come back to the house, how about bringing her a bouquet of flowers? Or how about calling up in advance and say, you know, honey, don't cook tonight. Let, let's go out. Let me take you out. Surprise her with a blessing. Now, yes, I know that they're going to be suspicious because you usually don't do that. But nevertheless, seek to bless them. Seek to bless them. Okay, so anyway, that's the first principle here. What is it? We begin through prayer and in prayer. That's the first step. But notice then, there are four steps, by the way, in all. The second step in the restoration of this relationship is that he edified his brother. Now notice as Jacob sent the messengers ahead, go back to chapter 32 and verse 18, Take a note at that. Let's take a look at that verse again. Chapter 32 and verse 18. As Jacob sent the messengers ahead, he put his words in their mouth. And notice here, according to that text, they referred to Jacob as Esau's servant and referred to Esau as Jacob's Lord, which indicated honor. So in other words, Jacob was showing his brother Esau honor. So the point is, is that he started saying good things about him to build him up or to edify him. The word edify that we use so often in Christianity just simply means to build up. That's what edification is. We edify, to build up. But unfortunately, we do so many things that tear down relationships as we tear down people. That's usually why, if you think about it, we have become so cold. We're always looking, it's a part of our human nature that needs to be transformed. Looking for faults, dwelling on the faults of other people. Never the good things, never the positive aspects, dwelling on the positive aspects of people. It's really, unfortunately, the dark side of human nature. Now, why do we do that? And even after we've come to know Christ as our Lord and Savior, and I'm not giving anybody license to do this. In my Father's house, there's a place for me. In my Father's house, where I long been listening to Pastor Mike Fenizio here on In My Father's House. He is working his way through the book of Genesis. If you were blessed by today's message and want to pass along the blessing, you can find a link to give to the ministry on our website, harvestnyc.org. We have so much available to you there, including many audio messages and links to streamed messages. 
We stream every Sunday and Thursday service. Once again, that's harvestnyc.org. Another way to pass along the blessing is to share the messages with someone else. Maybe God put someone on your heart today as you listened. You can send them the links as well. In My Father's House is a ministry out of Harvest Christian Fellowship in Midtown Manhattan, New York City. We're easy to find, with access from Port Authority on 42nd and Penn Station on 34th. Come by and see us. But if you're from another part of the country or world, we'd love to know. Please send us a quick note at harvestnyc at verizon.net. That's harvestnyc at verizon.net. It's a great encouragement to Pastor Mike and the team at In My Father's House to hear where these messages are being listened to. There is nothing more beautiful than the global body of Christ. If you'd like to hear more, subscribe to our podcast for daily doses of the word. Just go to Spotify and search for In My Father's House with Mike Venizio. And then just click follow. Well, we have filled our time for today. Come back and see us again, because there's no better place to be than in my Father's house with you. 